Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Tamara Thomas, editor-in-chief of UrbanHealthToday.com, part of the DocWire family of medical news sites. And I want to thank you for tuning in to Urban Health Weekly. Our goal each week is to keep you informed of the latest in health and medical news right from today's headlines. It's time to empower yourself with open conversations about your medical care with news that matters to you. So are you ready? Let's get started. Hi, I'm Tamara Thomas and welcome to Urban Health Weekly where we talk about medical news and health topics that matter to you. So I'm here with Jackie and Lou. How are you guys? Excellent. How are you guys? I'm good. I'm great. Well, as you know, this month is Breast Cancer Awareness Ah. Month. Well, first of all, I want to shout out all my survivors and all my annual screeners and to continue to urge people to get screened, check your breasts. Don't be afraid to touch your breasts intentionally. It's self-care, not self-pleasure. Did you know that the the FDA is currently working on rolling out dense breast notification? No. Yeah. So they're working on this, this new dense breast notification after much work from Congresswoman Rosa DeLauro. She was working with uh, Katie Couric on that, who was raising awareness after her breast cancer diagnosis. And basically what's gonna happen is women with dense breast tissue are going to receive notifications of their status. And I think an explanation of like what it means uh, for their breast health and their breast cancer risk, because you know all the studies point to if you have dense breasts that your risk of cancer is higher. That's interesting. I just had my mammogram and they did include that in the report and they hadn't previously included breast density before. I don't remember that previously. Yeah. Yeah. I've always had that as part of my. Okay. So are you, are you, are your breasts dense or no? Not especially. Oh, okay. So that's good for you. Um, They're not high density. They're like, medium density there's like four stages of density there's like no density at all there's like they have different names there's like just fat and then there's like dispersed density then there's like medium density and there's like very dense okay i think i have very dense breasts aha yeah so there's that uh i think they should go further with this and recommend mri for women with dense breasts the problem with dense breasts in case people that weren't yes people are probably thinking so what does that mean If you have dense breasts, it's harder to distinguish between the dense breast tissue and uh, any malignancies uh, because it all comes out white. It all comes out the same. Uh So if you've got something brewing in your breast and you've got dense breasts, the the doctor may miss it because of the dense breast tissue because it's very hard to distinguish. So that's why I'm, I'm advocating that they go further and they give women with dense breasts, just automatically kick them over the ultrasound. <clears throat> ah. I can't believe uh, the number of states that don't cover um, ultrasound or an MRI. Like, 
mammogram, of course, they say is the gold standard and all this, yada, yada. I don't, I don't accept that, but you know, I'm not a clinician, so whatever. Uh, I'm just a person who refuses to irradiate my breast. Well, ultrasound is definitely a whole lot cheaper than MRI. It's a whole lot cheaper. I don't understand why insurance doesn't. I wonder if it shows like artifacts and then that makes you have to go for an MRI after, you know, like maybe it's, maybe it pings too often, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I know from experience, cause I've had all three, well, I had, I, I did one mammogram and I'll never do that again. Mm-hmm. Um, so from experience, I think um, mammogram is, is easier for doctors to read because they're yes. used to reading it. Doesn't mean that it's necessarily better for the patient. Ultrasound um, pings back. Yeah, like you said, it pings back stuff so you can see more because it differentiates between stuff in your breast and the breast tissue, uh, which is why I don't understand why insurance doesn't just pay for it. I don't, I, I don't, I don't understand why so many women are still having to pay out of their pocket for it. I think it was, was it Cheryl Crow? It was some celebrity who said that her, her cancer was not picked up by a mammogram. Ooh, yes. I'm not sure who that was. That I, wasn't Christina Applegate, was it? Maybe it was Cheryl Crow. Cheryl Crow. I feel okay. like Cheryl Crow, but I, I didn't read that like very, very recently. So okay. anyway, I can't state this enough. Get screened, you know? And this goes out to my young people as well because your food supply is making you sick and giving you diseases that you shouldn't have to worry about until you get to your parents' age. But it's happening now. So please get screened, please. All right, so now let's get into the news of the week. All right. Well, you know, this is an article by Kaiser Health News and it's titled, The Billing Expert Investigated Her Husband's ER Bill and she was able to knock thousands off the charge. Like the find out uh, one of those so I can have one of those in my family. But anyway, yeah, that's handy, right? Everybody needs a doctor, a lawyer, and a billing expert a in their billing family. billing expert now if you're going to go wind up in the hospital. Amen to that. Oh, yeah. So anyway, Dr. Uh, Bob and Shaw was on his own. He said he probably would have paid his bill for the broken arm he received. The 47-year-old physician from Chicago incurred surprisingly steep charges after landing in an ER room on New Year's Day 2021. He'd hit an icy patch while skiing with his kids in Wisconsin. So the bill, $10,563. Wow. Woo, doggy. Uh, In initial ER charges from the hospital in Wisconsin seemed high, considering he only got an an X-ray, pain relief, and they put him in an arm splint. Oh, wow. So it wasn't even like an orthopedic surgeon looked at him or anything. No, it's like, here's a pill, goodbye. Here's a, and then all of a sudden- And an x-ray, which is like really like 350. That's like what- And it's like, let's stabilize you till you get home and have some surgery. Right. So his insurance negotiated the cost down to $7,922.62. Not, not forget, let's not forget. <laughs> but after he did all of his deductibles- he still owed $3,319 that he still felt that it was too much. However, he thought, you know, who is he? And this is a doctor. Can you, yes. can you imagine? Yeah, this? yeah. This is how he thought. Who is he to question the hospital's billing department? Wow. A wife that's uh, related to many other women who uh, who love to like say, uh-uh-uh. <laughs> my experience just kind of accept the defeat like this but women women smell bs uh, a lot more than women 
men, I think. Anyway, Shah's wife, on the other hand, is a highly is highly qualified to question such charges. She's the office manager of her husband's medical practice, a job that includes overseeing billing. So here we go. Shah's wife had no way of knowing that she was embarking in a crusade that would take her over a year. Have over a, a year? Yeah, a year. Okay, so that's another thing. Death by exhaustion. You know, people always think like, oh, uh, you know, I'm going to do this. But when you start questioning these things, you have to go hurdle after hurdle. And sometimes when you start talking to these people, you have to start at scratch. It's not where you left off the conversation. It's they wear you down. So here is, um, you know, after afterwards, she was able to um, significantly reduce the bill. But let's see some of the ways in which she did it. So here's here's how she reduced the family bill. Number one, tip number one from her is start early. Before you know you're even challenging a bill, you should ask the hospital for everything. All the information, all the paperwork, everything that you need. You don't even know if you're gonna have to challenge it or not, but you should ask for everything right up front whenever you're in the yard. Uh, that's very important. And she says, even in our case, we waited until the second bill, Ms. Shaw said, before we even started questioning the first bill. Because they get the first bill and it was wrong. They sent it to the insurance company and there you go. Tip number two, get an itemized bill. Hospitals often have their own internal billing code. So it's important to ask for an itemized bill that lists current procedural terminology. Billing codes are standardized across the country. That's CPT codes. CPT codes, thank you. So depending on medical procedure, Ms. Shaw said, a bill can contain an overwhelming number of items that are hard to understand. So she started focusing on the, on the items that stood out and, the, and those with the highest price tags. Ms. Shaw said it took months to get wow. the full bill that included everything. But there was one item that jumped out. It was $6,961 for a CPT code that was 24505. What do we know? That's all the bill said. CPT code for 24505. That stood for treating a fractured humerus without making an incision. Ooh. When he went there, so it says Shah didn't remember having that treatment at the hospital in Wisconsin. In fact, all they did was put him in a splint. They didn't treat anything. <laughs> $6,000 for a splint. Yes. $6,000. <laughs> $61 Pretty for, outrageous. A, for a splint. He returned home that night. You know, all he re, all Dr. Shaw remembered is returning home that night, getting a couple of hours of sleep, and then going to a different hospital where he got the surgery there. Okay, tip number three. Compare your charges with those at other hospitals. Now, this is something that, that is little known, but since 2021, all hospitals have been required to make their prices publicly available. Although some do so in a way that- Is that the surprise billing? The, the, the yeah, it's part, okay. it part of that. Mm -hmm. while, while some of them do those in a way that's difficult to find, still Mr. Mrs. Shaw was able to find the prices of other hospitals in Wisconsin and found that they range from $201- Oh my gosh. To $1,300. <laughs> so in no case, was anything like $6,900 that, that was there. Uh, she also mentions uh, some websites that uh, we'll, we'll have um, uh, on the link to this article on our website, fairhealthconsumer.org. 
um, that allows uh, people to look at what the, the billings are. All you got to do is put in your hospital zip code, um, what what it is that you did, and um, and they'll tell you. Uh, Medicare also has an online tool which helps you look for average bills, so on and so forth. So that was so that was the tool that she used. So now tip number four. Now that we got all this information, what is it that we got to do? Challenge your charges. So armed with the information uh, from Dr. Shaw's procedure, she went and, and saw that these charges were like, no, we didn't even do that. Uh, she started sending complaints to the insurer. She started sending complaints to, um, she even had to go to the attorney general on this. Wow. Yep. Um, and uh, finally, uh, they, they started asking her and, and went down the thing and said like, look, We'll, if you need financial assistance, so they started offering financial assistance, and that's a trick sometimes people use, that they offer you, look, we'll uh, finance it for you uh, in terms of that, even, even if you don't owe it, and a lot of times you'll take that path of least resistance and say, well, I'll pay $49 a month or whatever it is for an eternity uh, in terms of that. That is a way to get you to agree to something that you should not be agreeing. So she was offered that. Um, but she still did not like this. Was, she said that this was about the principle of the thing, that she felt that she was being overcharged. The next thing that she did is she requested her medical records. Again, the, the hospital did not want to do this. Uh, they wouldn't. They said, well, they can't accept fax or email for these, that they needed to be picked up and, and all of this stuff and, and notarized. They, they gave her a complete runaround for having her medical records picked up. And that, that is important, you know, for those of you listening out there, because if you're out there in the wilderness, um, in a place you're not gonna go back to, you know, you're not gonna go all the way to Wisconsin again just to pick up your records. So they gave her a tough time on that. But at this point, she went nuts and then went to a KHN reporter, um, which is ah. asked for help. Okay, in terms of that. Then she, the last thing that she did was she told the collections department that she was disputing the bill to sort of start, stop the process. And all of those um, that have been harassed by collection agencies or collection people that are wrong know the fact that they will pound you and hound you and hound you. How it all ended? Well, what happened was after all of this, and after a year and a half, the hospital agreed that they had made a mistake and sent the bill of $1,214.91, which was everything that happened. The insurance company paid for it all, and, and it's finally over. They saved 2000, over $2,000 in what would have been out-of-pocket expenses uh, from final offer. And it was a success. Well, you know, I gotta say that I don't like how this is. This is. They made it sound like she did some savvy, you know, finagling because they were overbilled. They were charged for services that she was charged for services he didn't receive, and he was over over um, overcharged. Yeah, it was really kind this, of fraudulent. Fighting, yeah, this was her fighting for the right thing. This was not right. her discount so i don't know how why they're making this sound as if she got some like she's a savvy shopper yeah, as yeah, opposed yeah. to and she they, was not going to get ripped off exactly 
you know, he was he was taken advantage of. And the other thing she said in the article was they didn't even apologize or try. They didn't they, they weren't even embarrassed about their mistake. They just like kind of like took it off like you caught us. Uh, hey, listen, you got to read your medical bills and ask questions. Call your insurance and let them know something's wrong with your bill. I once had to call my insurance because I had walked out on an appointment because they were just taking so long. Yes. But I had already filled out all the paperwork. Yes. I didn't want them to go to the insurance and file the claim as if I had received services. So I called my insurance and I was like, I just want you to know, I walked out. I did not have the services. You have to talk to your insurance. They're people. They will answer the phone. They will talk to you. Don't let them try to figure this out on their own. You're paying for this. This is your insurance. Don't think that, you know, you don't have any share of voice. You have nothing to, you have nothing to add. Talk to your insurance and let them know. I think this was a, a really good article. I don't like the, the bent of it. You know, she saved blah, blah, blah. She didn't save anything. They did. She, she got the bill to where she did the right thing. And it took a year and a half. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, and you still need to make sure that um, you're not getting ganked by medical bills because at the end of the day, this is your premiums that you're paying. So there's that. Yeah, yeah. My my take on it too is that people sometimes just get exhausted. Yes. And give up. And she's a an expert, a billing expert, and she said it was taxing. Yes. Yeah. And this is a knowledgeable person. Right. Yeah, and, and it's not only in medical. I mean, we as business people, you know, sometimes receive subpar services mm -hmm. that we say, hey, this is not good. And then two months later, you get a bill. And then you tell the people, no, we canceled that or we sent it back. And then the collection process starts. And sometimes you just say, you know, it's just going to be easier to pay this and just never hear from these people again. But why should you? If you're being taken advantage of and someone is, is trying to bill you for, for a service that they never provided, you should never let somebody bill you for a service they did not provide. Never. You know what? That's really um, timely because I had an appointment with um, a pulmonologist for my CPAP machine uh -huh. and I got this thing to fill out online. And then I called up and I said, do you guys still take my insurance? Because, you know, up to like a month ago, they were still taking it and no, they were not taking it. But I already filled out all this stuff. So I canceled the appointment. Mm -hmm. I wonder if they're going to bill me for the appointment after I filled out that stuff in the form. Eh, well, I'll just keep an eye out for it. Yeah. I, also, and you didn't go in for the appointment, right? No, I did not. No. So then, then, then they shouldn't bill you for anything. Okay. Yeah, they shouldn't. But also keep an eye out because yes. sometimes you get these tricky people that think that, well... They won't know and then they'll slip it or in. just a little clerical error yeah exactly a little clerical error in our favor don't fall for the okie doke people yeah make well, sure I, to stay on top of your well be, before you tell them don't fall for the okie doke i'll tell you a story that <laughs> happened to me mm -hmm. and then you can say people do not really fall for the okie doke but uh, i went to the dentist recently for a cleaning and at the end of the cleaning, in comes the dentist and say, hey, can I look at your tooth or whatever, or filling or something you want to look at? So I said, is this going to cost me anything? He goes, nah, it won't cost you anything. Don't worry. You got insurance. And I go, okay. Well, ah, we'll you got insurance. Look at my tooth. Oh. Said that magic word. Was break? this your regular dentist or was this another? No, it was my regular dentist. So he just walks in the room casually and says, hey, can I look at your filling? So that they can bill you. 
for yeah. Oh, because you were seen by the dentist. Exactly. That's another thing they do. And quite honestly, like my dentist is like right next to my favorite breakfast place, and all I kept thinking. <laughs> oh yes, know. we remember that. You yeah. were hangry. Yeah, hangry is right. I just wanted to get out of it. So, um, so I said, all right, go, go. Look. All right. So that happens. You know, I sign whatever I got to sign. I leave. About a week later, I get this bill from my insurance company. And the bill's not from the insurance company. It's just saying that I that they received the bill from my dentist. And for this process that took less than a minute to look inside my mouth by the dentist, he charged $450. Wow. And you know, and me being a person that Ms. Shaw would not like, I said, well, it's not affecting me. It's between him and the insurance. What? Oh, uh oh. Tamara's going to lose her mind. <laughs> so, fast forward two weeks later, I get a bill from um from the insurance from the insurance company from the or the doctor mm -hmm. from doctor's office that says well the insurance company did not pay the full <gasps> or they felt it was unreasonable it was unreasonable so you owe us like two hundred dollars for the rest of it what I go oh hell no and ah I started calling and I long story short it went away uh -huh. um how it, dare they it, it wasn't it wasn't what happened here. And uh, from what, so far from what I know, it all went away. Now, they thought, I get, I bet you, they thought they had a rube on their hands that wasn't paying attention. Just another rich, you know, mucky muck that came through and he won't know the difference and we'll just slip yeah. it in there and keep it moving. Now, in this instance, I'm or they may have made a mistake. I look, don't know. I'm a repeat customer, so I'm sure that had something to do with it. Oh. I'm lose a patient. But if I would have been, you know, I wonder like now after reading this article, if I would have just been a tourist, you know, and they knew that it was like a one shot deal. And they'll never see you again. Exactly. Never see you again, buddy. Uh, he has 27 different. They would have balance billed you for 400. Yeah, we'll yep. bill you for 4,000 for nothing. And, um, and I, you know, I, I, I said, oh my God, you know, and, and, and I fought it. And it, it all worked out. I didn't have to pay anything. But you only fought it because they balanced billed you. You know, if I wouldn't have got the bill, I'm gonna I'm gonna confess right now for the world to know I would have not done anything about it. I would have just and then it. the insurance wouldn't have known any would have been no any wiser. Known and anything. they would have just paid it. And that's and that's the way the cookie crumbles. And that's how a lot of these places get away with the kind of stuff that they do because people are not paying attention. Listen, this is still your money. Okay, you've got to make sure to stay on top of your money. Don't let anybody play with your money. All right, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. And we're back and we're going to jump into the next article. Lou, take it away. All righty. This one is from the Washington Post. And it's, again, another scandal here. Group shaping nutrition policy earned millions from junk food makers. Wow. All right, new documents. So the headline here is new document shows the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics invested in food stocks and accepted donation from junk food, sugar, and soda makers, even as it trained dietitians to teach us how to eat. Oh, goodness gracious. So few institutions have as much influence on the public eating habits as the American Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. 
which helps us shape national food policy and trains thousands of dietitians who help people decide what to eat. But new re release documents show that the Academy has a long history of financial ties to the food companies, including many that sell and market ultra-processed foods that have been linked to obesity, type 2 diabetes, and other chronic diseases. Yikes. Yeah. The documents, uh, which have been re recently um, released, uh, and now put into peer-reviewed journals. They, they've got the Academy's financial and tax records for five years between the years 2011 and 2017, shows that the organization took more than $4 million in donations from food companies and industry groups. And I'm gonna name them, because the article Ooh. named them, so I'm gonna name names here, so get ready. Coca-Cola, okay. Pepsi-Cola, Nestle, Hershey's, Kellogg's and Conagra. Mm. The Academy not only accepted sponsorship money from big food companies, but invested money in food industry stocks. For example, documents show that between 2015 and 2016, the, the Academy held more than a million dollars worth of stock in PepsiCo, Nestle, and J.M. Smucker. Now, That's I love weird. Spread, but that is a lot of sugar there. Um, <laughs> these documents were obtained by the U.S. Right to Know, an investigative group uh, that looks at these things, and now all of this is disclosed on their website. The Academy has been long criticized for partnering with processed food companies, but the full extent of its financial ties to the food industry had not been publicly disclosed. All right. So, of course not. Of course not is right. Okay, so in a statement, so this is today's defense. Uh, let's hear how they spun it. I don't even know how they spun it because it's <laughs> such a statement, but my statement would be, oops. But anyway, <laughs> in a statement, the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics called the new report inaccurate and misleading and said that it had stringent guidelines and principles for its corporate sponsors and supporters, which prohibit external influence. <laughs> Misleading? How so exactly? Was it the well, stocks or remember, was it remember, the cash donations? Remember, which prohibit external influence is the key word here. If a company is giving you money, you are beholden to that company. That is outside influence. Okay, the academies. Okay, here so we go. So I don't understand oh, what's well, misleading. Well, you know, you should have let me come up with the next sentence. The academies programs, and this is in quote marks here. The Academy's programs, leadership decisions, policies, and positions are not influenced by sponsors, by sponsors, with an S, um, end quote. It's said in its statement. Now, I, I see um, some, uh, a lot of uh, doubt here from, uh, from everybody coming right <laughs> uh, in terms of that. Ladies and gentlemen, if you could see my face right now. <laughs> How big is the eye roll? It's twisted and this my eyes are rolling over and over, <laughs> over and over again because this is some BS, okay? Yeah. Look, I'm all about keeping the lights on and paying the bills, but the junk food industry? Wow. Really? How can they possibly be impartial in giving health advice when they're taking money from these companies? At the very least, they won't advise people away from these foods. You know what I mean? If you, 
And yes. That's what I even call them that. These foods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, foods. It's junk. Sugar. With Food all the type products. And a non-alcohol fatty liver. How can they speak out against sugar when they take money from this industry? You can't. That's how. This is why you never hear dietitians, at least I have never heard a dietitian speak out directly against any of these industries. I haven't personally. Right. So the, the Academy is a powerful force in nutrition. It boasts more than 112,000 credentialed practitioners, including tens of thousands of registered dietitians, nutritionists, and other nutrition, nutrition professionals. The Academy members uh, lobby Congress and other health uh, things. And, you know, right now, uh, there's there's not a lot to be said here. Uh, I'm pretty speechless. I'm, I'm, in I'm, terms of, I'm pretty disgusted. So here's some of the here's some of the brands that um, that uh, that um, that have contributed to them. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, read some of these things and everybody okay. uh, give me a an invisible thumbs up. Slim Jims. Oh, Times. Ready with Jeff Boyardee. Between oh. these. They gave the Academy $1.4 million. Oh my gosh. $486,000. Cola, $477,000. Hershey, $368,000. Nestle, not to be undone, gave him $200,000. Now, another one that came in here as I, as I scanned through this, the National Dairy Council. For sure. Came in with $1.5 million. There's milk at school lunches, that's for sure. Well, look, there's nothing wrong with kids having. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You know, milk at school. Right. We all grew up having milk at school. But how can anybody take them seriously? Yeah. Like, like really, really. How can anyone take them seriously? Yeah, and, and their position, the Academy's position is that Donors, grantors, and supporters are defined as those who made a charitable contribution with no expectation of a commercial return. That's a big a number for return. no expectation. Uh, that, that's a commercial return. However, staying silent is in itself a commercial return. Do you see what I'm saying? If you don't speak out against an industry and you don't say anything against an industry, that in itself is a commercial return. Mm-hmm. However, if you go on the Academy's website, 
they uh, huh. they do have a list of supporters. And on that list, uh, you have Haas Avocado Board, the uh, Mushroom Council, um, um, so et cetera, et cetera. You know, I could go, I could go, go on. And um, so what they're doing is they're putting on the website some of the more um, palatable, um, if you will, pardon the pun. More universal, uh, universally nutritious foods. Yeah, who's gonna, who's gonna, uh, you know, who's gonna argue away avocados? Organic avocados is, is being unhealthy. Um, so they they put in all of these sponsors on the website. However, when you look at the records of who's really giving the uh, the the money, it's you know it's they they say it's Hershey, Mondelez International, Mars, the Jelly Belly Candy Company. <laughs> they have a whole list here. So um, so again, if you uh, want to access the entire article, go to our website. It'll be posted there. Um, and you can get the whole list and they have links on the article as to whole all the um, the good donors are, the bad donors, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I can't with these people. I, I, I know. I, I after all of these um, after all of these uh, you know things, uh, we we just can't here today. This is a, a just can't show. Unbelievable. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to the next. I, I can't I, I can't discuss this anymore. I'm just I, I, they they really don't realize that what they're doing it anyway. Okay. I think they realize, but okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Let's just move on because this is this is a no win situation here. They've compromised themselves. They have compromised themselves. Period. Well, and they have lost their, their credibility. Credibility as a as a uh, as in terms of giving advice to people about what uh, what is nutritious and what should be in their diet. Period. Well, you know, it, it calls it to question medical associations and their their sponsorship of um, of foods per se. For example, the American Heart Association was a big uh, sponsor of Campbell's Soup for a while. And they had a they had a whole association with that, and said it was heart healthy and, and things of that nature. And people do rely on those things, um, and uh, people do rely on the ADA uh, uh, sponsorship for things. And if they see that on their product, they might assume that it's healthy. That's what I'm saying. But this calls into question: is is it healthy or is it? So check to see if your jelly beans have a have a label on them from the ADA. <laughs> Actually, that's not really funny. I shouldn't be laughing, but <laughs> ADA approved. <laughs> ADA approved. No, but they can't, they can't do that. But what they, what they, what they do do is they, is just, they don't poo poo it. Right. They don't, they say, say in poison. moderation. Right. Oh, moderation. That's Nikki word. Stuff in period. If you eat this stuff, you should probably eat it no more than once a month as a, like a little schmeckin' treat. That's it. But they're not going to say that because they're being paid to stay silent. It's deplorable. Anyway, next article. Okay, next article. Cancer vaccine may be ready by 2030, say founders of the COVID vaccine makers BioNTech. This could be good news. That's exciting. Yep. That's interesting. Yep. So anyway, this is on ABC News, source. Um, 
the world can only be a few years away from a cancer vaccine, according to the couple behind to the couple behind the Pfizer BioNTech COVID nineteen vaccine. We feel that a cure for cancer or changing cancer patients' lives is in our grasp," said Professor Oldslem Tsvaresi, uh, which told that to the BBC News in an interview over the weekend. Her husband. These are tough names to pronounce. All right. Or Shaheen, with, with whom she co-founded the German pharmaceutical company BioNTech, BioNTech, said that he thought that cancer vaccines could be widely available before the year 2030. The husband and wife duo founded BioNTech in 2008 and helped develop and produce treatments for individualized cancer immunotherapy using mRNA technology. But when the pandemic hit, they adopted the, te the technology to create one of the first and most effective COVID vaccine, COVID-19 vaccines. Hey, you know, they always say that war or tragedy sometimes lead to, um, mm -hmm. to, things, uh, to things progressing. I mean, you know. Big mobilizations. You know, you, you know, you look at atomic energy that came out during World War II, uh, you, you know, it was a weapon. And then all of a sudden, here, here you go, and now it's it's something important. Um, you know, if you look at the war in Ukraine, all of a sudden some of that technology for satellite um, web web based uh, technologies uh, through rockets and and those uh, are a real thing that Elon Musk is providing to them uh, through his company. That's a, that's a discovery that was made that was fast forwarded by years, and it seems that the COVID nineteen process for creating vaccines has done, has done something there. Um, scientists have been working on a cancer vaccine for decades. One approach is to teach the immune system to recognize and destroy cancer cells. Ideally, preventing cancer from growing in the first place. Hey, there's a good there's Wow. Further along are other types of vaccines designed to treat people who already have cancer, including one FDA-approved cancer vaccine for people with advanced prostate cancer. Wow, that's great news. Yeah, from the very beginning, our focus has always been on exploiting the full potential of the body's immune system to successfully help address cancer and infectious disease, the company's website said. In, his, in this recent interview, the two professors explained that their experience of developing the COVID vaccine could help accelerate their work on a cancer vaccine as it launched the mRNA technology into the mainstream. The development of several COVID vaccines in record time showed the possibilities of mRNA vaccine technology, which could one day become an effective treatment to help and beat cancer. Dr. Sam Godfrey, research information lead at Cancer UK Search. So, well, I haven't heard them say anything about colorectal cancer and breast cancer. Those are the two leading cancers in this country. So, that's mm -hmm. the first thing. Yep. The second thing I'm going to say about this is, uh, okay, so they're building on the work they did with Pfizer to create the mRNA vaccine and boosters. That's good. But this sounds very expensive. Uh, I, I just don't see how everyday working people are going to be able to afford this. Remember when they charged everybody, what they charged for Adjuhelm? Yes. And, and then Medicare upped their premium just to get ready to pay for it. Right. I'm just waiting to see what happens when they finally create it. And then it doesn't even address like half of the cancers. I'm not panning it. I'm, I'm very hopeful and I'm very optimistic. I'm also being a little pragmatic. And that it's probably not going to be a cure-all. 
Right, exactly. Because it, it doesn't sound like it takes care of a lot of the cancers that are currently plaguing our nation. Thoughts? Mm. Well, cancer is not one thing, apparently. It's multiple things. They seems right. like a lot of different cancers are. So it's coming from a slightly different approach, isn't it? Um, that's what they're hoping for. And then this has to be uh, customized. Oh, okay. That's got to be expensive. Yes. Okay. Well, you know, here's the thing. These, this vaccine technology is good, but, and, and this is happening to me with COVID. You know, I'm, I've taken five of these already, and I'm not as vigilant as I should be. And I walk into all sorts of places without a mask now and do all sorts of things without a mask. And that's, you know, I'm not going to say that's okay, but, you know, COVID is not as deadly as cancer. COVID has a 99% cure rate where cancer, in some instances, is a 0% cure rate. And my only thought is, if you take some of these treatments and vaccines, is that going to tell people not to be vigilant? Oh, um, are people going to become complacent? Right, exactly. Because we okay. have to remember all the factors that lead to cancer to begin with. So it's not going to address obesity. It's not going to address alcohol use. It's not going to address smoking. It's not going to, you know, all these highly modifiable um, risk factors. People are just going to feel like it's a free for all. I'm just saying that, you know, let's not hitch our stars to this wagon. I am looking forward to it, of course, but, you know, let's not get carried away here, and, you know, and think that this is going to be the be all to end all. That's all. Hmm. Next up. Next up from Kevin MD. So what hospitals can learn from the Redonda board case? And this is the, this week's topic, by the way. Okay. okay. What hospitals can learn from Redonda board from the Before you start, let me just say this. So Redonda Vaught, she was a registered nurse working in Tennessee, and she was sentenced to three years probation with the promise that her criminal record would be expunged if she successfully completes uh, her sentence. Her crime was that she made a prescription mistake that cost a 75-year-old patient her life. Now, we know that these types of mistakes happen more than we hear about, but that's not what struck me about this case. So go ahead. Go ahead. Read the story. All right. In response to a medication administration error that led to the death of a 75-year-old patient, Redonda Bart, a registered nurse working in Tennessee, was recently found guilty of criminally negligent homicide and gross negligence of an impaired adult. As a result, she was sentenced to three years probation with the promise that her criminal record would be expunged if she, if she successfully completes the sentence. Months after the sentence, the world of nursing is still reeling from these charges with the American Nurse Association, the ANA, offering a webinar on the topic since many nurses are afraid that mistakes can result in prosecution or even imprisonment. Uh, after reviewing the case and watching the six hour Tennessee State Board of Nursing hearing, it seems clear that nurse error was not the sole factor leading to the tragic death of the patient, uh, Charlene Murphy. Recognizing this, this is key to ensuring the safety of future patients. The cause of the error was not just an individual's negligence, but the lack of safety checks that led to human errors. Human mistakes are common, are common 
with an estimated quarter of a million medical errors annually. Wow. Oof. That's mm. a lot of errors. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff, uh, but wow. What did not follow the standard care for nurses, which is a manual check of the five rights of medication administration. She failed to check the vial of medication labeled paralytic agent and mistook um, I'm vectoronium. vectoronium with midazolam. Thank you very much. A <laughs> sedative meant to reduce anxiety prescribed for Mrs. Murphy so she could lay still in a PET scanner. A PET scanner. Yeah. Here, the first human error is evident. Miss Murphy had been seen sent to the scan without being monitored since the ordering physician discontinued the monitoring orders. Stop right there. So that's the first error. The doctor discontinued monitoring orders. Okay. There right. were supposed to be monitoring orders for her. The doctor didn't do it. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. The administration of a sedative during a procedure requires a nurse to be continually present present and assess the patient's response to the medication, including their vital signs. According to the testimony, both the primary nurse and Vought, who was assigned to help to, as the help all nurse, noticed the absence of a monitoring order, but neither insisted on questioning the doctor or monitoring the patient, which would have been within their scope of practice. Hmm, that's weird. So that's the other thing. So they for whatever reason, didn't follow up with the doctor and say, hey, uh, aren't you going to monitor this? They didn't for whatever reason. Maybe the doctor was okay. that day. Maybe the doctor was used to doing it. I don't know. But for whatever reason, they didn't feel that they had the confidence that they could say to the doctor, hey, look, shouldn't we be doing this? Right. This aspect of the case was not discussed during the hearing, but mer mer merits further attention as nurses provide a critical safety check to doctors who are open overworked and like everyone else prone to lapses. Yeah, what about the nurses? But anyway. Thank you. These That was not part of the article, but it was... So nurses being overworked is not part of the article? <laughs> no, that was his little... His yeah, little. that was my little interjection there. Fair Sorry, enough. I'm editorializing here. They read. Yeah, because they're saying that doctors get overworked as if nurses don't. As if nurses don't. Wow. Poor, poor doctors. Okay. These were the second and third human errors. The following safety check designed to help prevent human errors is, is through the hospital's automated medication dispensing cabinet. Multiple nurses testified that the automated dispensing system was being overhauled and switch from one system to another. Stop. Ooh. That's the other error. The medical check system was down. So there was no, there was nothing in place at that time to say, hey, this medication shouldn't be given to this woman or hey, check to make sure that uh, this medication is right. That monitoring was not in place. No fail safe. No fail safe, exactly. Go mm -hmm. ahead. This, this paragraph is so damning in the hospital, I should skip it, but anyway. <laughs> no, please read it. Due to delays, the staff had been instructed by a hospital administrator to use the override feature to circumvent interruptions during the system upgrade. Oh my gosh. Yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. During tap, and let's blame her. During testimony, she and the other nurses admit, uh, admitted that frequent overrides led them to become complacent about them. 
In fact, during the three days Mrs. Burphy was in the hospital, 20 different medications were dispensed via override via the override function. Instead of overriding error messages, the new system's rollout may have been phased in temporarily or reverted to a manual system. Hey, there you go. Handheld electronic scanners scan barcodes on medications and check them against the barcode imprinted on the patient's wristband. This identifies if the wrong medication is given to the wrong patient. But these were not in use in the radiology PET scan. Oh. Failing to alert what of the wrong medication. Stop. That's another guardrail that wasn't in place. The scan was not done to check the medication. So all these guardrails that are legally supposed to be in place to protect this woman were all gone. That's right. So she could have actually scanned, gone. but it wouldn't have shown up in the radiology and PET scan areas. So well, she got, could have even scanned right. and it wouldn't have shown up. Well, it sounds like they weren't even using it in that area. Ah, because they don't work. Okay. I mean, there's, there's just so many things wrong went wrong here. Go ahead. Well, he continues to say it would have been easy to dismiss the board case as an anomaly. Anomaly. Anomaly, sorry. Mm -hmm. But doing so would have been a mistake, you know, neglecting the larger picture of a looming problem in hospitals, which if they're not addressed, could lead to a lot more medication errors in the future. And then the article goes on to say that, you know, we have an annual shortage right now, 200,000 nurses. Wow. That's something we should all be aware of. The, the projected shortfall of nurses is, looks like it's going to be 1.2 million by the year 2030. Wow. So nurses are going to be having to do double, triple duty doing things that they're not if they don't for. leave the, the business all to the, the in the profession altogether if they're not completely burned out and terrified you know, by the possibility of losing their license for human error exactly and yeah. and so this this begs yeah this begs this, yes yeah. this begs the question why was redonda Vaught the only person held liable she was thrown under the bus in this whole perfect storm why was she the only one that fell on the sword? There were two nurses. There was a doctor. There's a hospital administrator. There's a pharmacy. There's uh, uh, the, the whoever the, the vendor was that, that approved the, the manual overrides of the machine. There was no scanner used. That wasn't her. She didn't, she didn't make these policies. She was just part of you know the, the fail-safe procedures were disabled was were disabled. She was just doing what what they always do. She wasn't doing anything different than what is normally done in the hospital. So why does why did Miss Vaught end up being the one that that had to uh, fall uh, on the sword? It's 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 really really surprising because the hospital itself should have taken accountability and they didn't protect their nurse. They did not protect. They threw her out to the wolves to save themselves. Well, but my question is, why isn't the state attorney general in Tennessee looking at this? With all of these things that happened to this poor woman, why is Ms. Vaught the only one responsible? You heard a laundry list of all the things that just that 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 occurred that led to this woman's death. If if just one or two of those things were done, she wouldn't be dead. So how is that the confounding thing, Ms. Vaught making the mistake? She didn't make an isolated mistake. This was a series of, of mistakes and derelictions of duty. 
Well, here's the first thing. The first step is that the hospital should have stepped up during that trial and taken culpability. They wouldn't and, because and, that's going to cost them a lot of money in a lawsuit. Well, but that's And I hope the family is suing. Them. But right is right. And, you know, I get it. The hospital can't shut down during a system overhaul. System overhauls have to be done. Okay. But the hospital should have, quote unquote, in the vernacular, had her back and said, hey, this happened as human error. And, and here we go. Number two. What about the override? Would they well, let the well, override? Oh, I got a lot more here. And what about the doctor? Not <laughs> well, doing here's, here's, doctor to me is number two. Number two Ooh. is they went to the lowest level of healthcare. Yes. And blamed them. Yes. The low ban on the totem pole. Okay. So the, the OR nurse, because, you know, there's a hierarchy of nurses. Mm -hmm. And the OR nurse, so the, the nurse that does the dispensation. I'm not going to say she's the lowest on the totem pole, but in essence, she is the lowest on the totem pole here. In that, in, in that, that, in that, that bit, right. In that scenario. Next is the OR nurse. Uh, the anesthesiology technician, too, is there. And then you have the anesthesiology. They're usually doctors. They are doctors, uh, there's, yes. There's nurse. There's, there's peri-anesthesia nursing. It could be a doctor. But they're a not nurse. a tech. No, not attack. You said okay. Attack. All right. Yeah, yeah, okay. They're not attack. They're they're a nurse. So so either of those has to be there during that during that process. Um, you know, if any of us have had the um, the joy of going to the hospital and and having to have anesthesia, they usually have a person that administers the anesthesia. They pop in and pop out. Um, neither of those people were blamed or or even brought up. It's sort there of was like, no culpability anywhere. Yeah, everybody just walked away and said, hey, it ain't us. Hey, um, good luck, Ron. We'll see you in three years. Yeah, don't let the door hit you on the on thing. That's outrageous. So so that that is number two. So the hospital didn't step up. They didn't do a hierarchy of people there. They blamed the lowest ranking person there. Then during the trial and all of this, and I'm sure insurance companies and all this, everybody was real happy to just point the finger. I mean, come on, you know, come on, people. You, I could see why nurses would be up in arms. Absolutely. Because when you look at all of the facts surrounding this, this woman was not fully responsible for what happened. Mm -hmm. She was part of a system of repeated failure. Mm -hmm. So I don't understand why she is the linchpin here and no one else is on the hook. That's outrageous. She took all the consequences. It's outrageous. Yeah. And disappointing to me. And I understand is, why so many nurses want to leave the profession now because why right. should my, my They must be really afraid. Oh, absolutely. This is a lot of what they're talking about now. Yeah. What, what they're asking a nurse who's a human being to behave like a machine. And they, which is just human error. And on top of human error, yeah, there was no fail safe. All the machines were down. So, wow, it's really that shocking the that machines. the hospital didn't step up. The machines, the override was by the hospital. The override of the, the procedure, the override of the, 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 the check system. Yeah. And um, what also surprises me uh, that I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, the hospital is, administrators, yeah. you know, were derelict in the override feature. Yeah, mm -hmm. the, the ANA, the, the, the Nurses Association, it's not a union, it's an association. Mm -hmm. I felt should have stood, stood up for her. I agree. Because here is a perfect example of the nurse being blamed for something that was a group 
it was a group faux pas, okay? And they they turned on the nurse, and the fact that the ANA just walked away from it and said, okay, we're not going to defend this, shows me that there's either some inferiority thought going on here, that, that they're not worthy, or they just took it and ran away. I don't understand it. I, I just don't understand how they could just take this and not fight and say, wait a minute. At the end of the day... I feel that this woman was done dirty by a lot of different players, a lot of different players. And I don't think she, yes, she made a mistake, but she's not the only one. She made a mistake that was part of a system of mistakes. Correct. This was not an isolated thing. She was not nurse ratchet, just working on her own. Right. Doing some, some angel of death type stuff. Yeah. My feeling here is that, um, again to paraphrase something and they know good and damn well that that's the case otherwise they wouldn't be offering her expungement yeah what what i'm yes that she should have gotten oj's dream team to represent her she's a nurse in tennessee what kind of money you think she's making the american nurse association that does have millions and millions of dollars should have provided her with excellent legal representation not just like hey lady go over here take the blame for this one and let's keep it moving to me, that's unfortunate, and that's not right. There's just something not right here. Uh, because that, it's setting a precedent of uh, exposing nurses to like holding yes, them exactly. to standard. Yeah, of stuff that's that is beyond their their control. Now, I'm not saying that she didn't make her mistake. She did make her mistake, but I don't think that was the mistake that cost uh, Miss Shirley in her life. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, yes, there was a bunch of things that happened before that happened. All the systems that were put in place to protect Ms. Charlene did not protect her, which led to the mistake. That's like, if you have a gun and um, the gun is defective uh, and then you play with the gun or you shoot the gun or something like that and the gun goes off, is that your mistake or is it the manufacturer's mistake? For giving for for having a false faulty weapon on the, you know, out in the market. Hmm. I'm just saying it's something to think about. All right. I'm not absolving her in for her part. I'm just saying her part was a small part of a huge machine that failed that woman. That's right. all. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like blaming the. To me, it's like blaming. If you're going to use the gun analogy, forget about the gun manufacturer. Forget about the shooter. But it's like blaming the UPS guy who delivered the gun. The gun. Uh, well, for, for the whole thing you, yeah. you know what i mean it's like yeah. come on are we yeah. gonna go there yeah uh and that's that's what this looks like yeah you, you know they, there's all these positions around there's all these highly trained people but you're gonna pick this particular person because she's the one who physically gave the pill or or the injection yeah you know come on be real yeah that's pretty outrageous anyway i i'm sorry to to end on such a sour note but that's all the time we have today go to urban health weekly for the links to these articles and uh, just remember, you have only one life and one body. So you got to do your best to make it count. So your years are full of life and full of health. Information equals transformation. So take small steps each day and you'll see a difference. My lovelies, it's been real. And uh, it was lovely. We'll <laughs> see you next week. <laughs> bye, guys. Now, everyone says bye today. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. 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 <laughs> Thanks for listening to Urban Health Weekly today. 
I hope you'll join me and my friends next week so you can stay informed and inspired to take control of your health. See you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.